our mission is to make it so everyone can code, which is very ambitious. And what we need to do to make that happen is we need to index the entire open source supply chain, which we're doing code host by code host. I'm optimistic that supply chain security won't be as prevalent of a buzz term in in the next couple of years, but it's definitely something concerning right now. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Justin Dorfman. What's up, Justin? Hey, how are you, Brian? Yeah, pleasure. You know, we uh, I think we've been on panels before, at least one panel. Maybe it's a tide lifting last last year, but we've definitely crossed paths a few times. Yeah, no, I've been following you for a while, so it's it's. I didn't even know your name was Brian until recently. <laughs> I was just thought, oh, his name's B Dougie, so I'm going to call him B Dougie. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of that, uh, would love to know who Justin Dorfman is. Like, what's your uh, what's your background? How'd you get here? Yeah, so. I started in Windows System Administration. I did that for like six years. I was the IT guy. You know, I fixed PC load letters and stuff like that. And I then joined the startup world. And that's when I was introduced to Unix-like systems. So at this company called Mahalo, we used FreeBSD. So it was a very steep learning curve, but it was something that just kind of opened my eyes to a new world, which was uh, open source adjacency. So, real quick, could we just just take a, a quick tour through Mahalo? Because like Mahalo is a thing that I knew I was aware of. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what that was and what it was trying to accomplish? Yeah, it was a human powered search engine, and it just we were doing very well, and then Google updated their. They called it Panda, which was like their algorithm. So basically, our revenue was cut in seventy five percent overnight, literally overnight. So there was a lot of layoffs. I got put on part time, which was like perfect because that's when I joined this company called NetDNA, which had a brand called MaxCDN. We eventually changed the name of the company to MaxCDN, and that's when I turned from an open source consumer into an open source contributor. The first thing I did was I wrote like a PHP client library for our XML RPC API. It was like really, really old school, but this is like 2011. So in PHP, because we had a lot of WordPress clients. Um, so yeah, they use PHP. So <laughs> shortly after that, like the co-founder of MaxEDN, David Hensel, went over to my desk and he's like, hey, could we talk for a sec? I'm like, okay, yeah. He's like, hey, look, dude, you're um, you're not a really great engineer, but you are a good marketer. So I was like, well, no, I'm going to be an engineer. That's, you know, he's like, okay, what if we call you a developer advocate? I was like, oh, I like that. That's That's really cool. So during my developer advocacy at Max CDN, you know, one of the biggest projects that we brought on was the official CDN for Bootstrap, the Bootstrap project. 
you know, over the eight years I was, I ran that project, we did a 108 petabytes of bandwidth, 4.3 trillion requests. It was installed on 7 million sites and we donated about $5.3 million of services to the open source community. And, you know, that's when it clicked for me where I said, you know what? I think David's right. I'm not great at engineering, but I am really good at listening to what developers want and giving it to them and providing these non-code contributions that has bigger impacts than any other pull request or, or issue that I file, you know, you know, it, like maintainers, like if you see popular projects, they have hundreds of issues and hundreds of pull requests. They need another one of those, like they need a hole in the head. You know, they want these non-code contributions that are going to make huge impacts. And that is done with, you know, funding uh, mostly, you know, that's the probably the biggest thing. Okay, cool. So yeah, you, so you, you found your way to advocacy, uh, Max CDM, but I'm curious, uh, what's the story? How did you get to Sourcegraph? And like, actually, we can even say like, what is Sourcegraph too as well? Yeah, so Sourcegraph's a code intelligence platform, and we are indexing the OSS supply chain. So there's, we have competitors like GitHub, which does the GitHub ecosystem, um, but we wanted to do something different where we don't just go from GitHub, we go from GitLab, we go from GNU, Savannah, you know, Eclipse, Fedora, all these different code hosts. Because before I started at Sourcegraph, I was so ignorant. I thought everything was on uh, GitHub. You know, like if they weren't, then they were doing a mirror. And then when I joined Sourcegraph, I was like, oh, wow, that is not the case. Like there are so many Git repositories and Git servers out there that are on their own infrastructure. Like Fedora, they have 35,000 repositories that are on their own infrastructure, their own bare metal servers. So yeah, we saw an opportunity there and it's really why I really wanted to join because our mission is to make it so everyone can code, which is very ambitious. And what we need to do to make that happen is we need to index the entire open source supply chain, which we're doing code host by code host. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I so I did spend some time at, at GitHub, mm-hmm. uh, like four and a half years, and it's like um, very eye opening when you find out there's so much more that happened before 2008 when GitHub started. Yeah, but yeah, it's any large company, any large open source project. If it was around before 2008, there's a good chance it's probably either self hosted or somewhere else. Um, so you can kind of like draw that line in the sand. But yeah, it's a uh, also very ambitious to be. Uh, you said the code intelligence platform, which is making it easier. For folks to code as well. So, like, yeah, what is Sourcegraph working on right now to sort of fill that vision? So, by the time this is live, we'll have scip.dev up, which is the skip code intelligence platform. It's a recursive acronym. But basically, what it does is it makes it so you can precisely graph code using this protocol. And, you know, for us, it's like anyone can index text and in, in code in that. But if it's not precisely graphed, you know, where you have go to definition and find references and things like that, these things that you see with LSIF, um, 
which skip is ELSIF compatible uh, for for the record. So, you know, we wanted to basically we're we're gearing up for a you know all the world's code precisely graphed and we're not going to do search based uh navigation it's all going to be indexed properly and it's going to take a long time but i think it'll definitely be worth it yeah that's a uh... That's fascinating. I'm, I'm, so I did watch the the recent what was what, I guess it was called Starship the the announcements, mm-hmm. which that was is this also connected the skip to what Starship was? I think skip was mentioned a few times because of our go to definition and find references. Uh, we've made some few updates to that feature within our within sourcegraph.com and our enterprise offerings, but. What Starship was was to basically show like, hey, we could we could put on a launch event, you know, like it was it was a challenge that we wanted to give ourselves. And honestly, like it really exceeded our expectations. Like we thought like, okay, there'll be like 50 people like at our at our live stream, but it ended up going up to 350. And we're like, oh my God, this is this is so crazy. And it's just interesting, you know, we we switched from Slack. To Discord, and I swear to God, like everything kind of changed. For any any DevRel out there who's still on Slack, I know it's hard. Trust me, we had over I think three thousand users, but you got to think like, well, yeah, we have three thousand users, but who's active? You know, and and switching over to Discord just changed the game for us. Like the way that our community communicates with our engineers and it's just, I don't know, it's a little off a tangent, but I just wanted to get that out because it definitely helped with our promotion and also getting feedback from the launch event, the Starship launch event. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, the game is changing, but we are changing with the game. Well, I mean, so you've been in DevRel for a while, but you mm-hmm. you you did DevRel through the pandemic. Like everything completely shifted. Where oh yeah, like where at, at GitHub, our strategy completely shifted from oh yeah, we're gonna go to conferences, we'll speak, we'll be amongst the community to now what? So it was streaming, it was video, it was interacting on Twitter. Where previously it was like some sort of like social media manager or marketing was managing all those other properties we're like hey we know the voice we know how to communicate to developers yeah and um i think that the shift to the discord as, as well has been really interesting to watch because um i know you know of my side project open sauce but yep. we created a discord this open source project that's sort of hanging out with the folks who like writing react code and solving cool problems and uh we switched to discord and we saw a sort of on-ramp of our community grow to like something even larger than I even expected. Mainly, just yeah. people wanted to talk about the same thing. Yeah, it blew my mind because, like, at first I was kind of hesitant. I was like, I don't know if we should leave Slack, and but it's just amazing. People just they're just more active on um, Discord. But also, that's pretty anecdotal. You know, I'm sure there's still really strong um, Slack communities, but for us and from my our experience and seems like your experience it's just been like a lot better. Yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm curious where where this conversation is going to go in what direction because I want to deep dive on more devrel stuff but also I want to find out what y'all are doing for the open source community. Yeah. Uh, so I'll put a pause on the devrel thing. Like I saw an article that went out um, about how you're sort of supporting ospos open source program offices. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like 
there is a bit of big push to help support open source and code intelligence because I think that's extremely valuable. If you know, uh, I'm actually <laughs> I'm working on something that's probably a smaller drop in the bucket than what you all are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like my vision was always get more people to to do open source, and the way to do that is get companies or projects to find and replace with contributors and like mentor. And so we're we're it seems like we're, we're very similar spaces. So curious, like what what your tactics are currently. Yeah, so, you know, first, I'm going to get to that question, but I'm going to paint a picture. This is something that I've been researching for a little bit. And, you know, if you go to getbootstrap.com, you're going to see the logo and npm install bootstrap. If you type in npm install bootstrap, you'll get seven lines. One saying, uh, this has been successfully installed. One will say, you can fund uh, developers here. And what it doesn't say and what it doesn't show is the 5,300 people that contributed code to the dependencies of Bootstrap. And you're like, 5,300, that's pretty big, you know? It's, it's, but how big? And I always thought like that metaphor of we're standing on the shoulder of giants. And I just, when it comes to open source, you know, we're we're standing on the shoulder of giants, and I'm like, no, we're standing on the shoulders of humans. And if 5,300 humans standed on each other's shoulders, it'd be like six miles high. That's a, that's really really tall. I mean, it's like 11 of the world's tallest building in Dubai. It's like 11 of those stacked. It's a hundred Statue of Liberties and around 30 of the Eiffel Towers. It's where you fly at, you know, at the, at the peak. So what you won't see when you hit NPM install is that type of, you know, verbosity when it comes to the people, the foundation of open source. So that's kind of just been my outlook ever since Mac CDN is just how do we support maintainers and contributors of open source. And one way that I found, or a couple ways, is in-kind sponsorships, uh, where you give product away for, you know, like we would do free CDN service. And now what I'm doing is I'm indexing, we're indexing the Code bases, you know, all the repositories for the Fedora project, for the Rust community. You know, my day to day is to find out what the open source community's pain points are and then find solutions. So, like the Fedora leader, uh, Matthew Miller, he asked us to index 35,000 repositories that just weren't on GitHub. And they needed so basically their pain point was they wanted to have a complete exploded search repository of all the packages in fedora they couldn't do that before because they had their own infrastructure so us to come in free of charge and build that for them and then index that into our code base helped them and it and it helped us you know it it got more code into our index uh, another thing that we did was Bobby Hawley from Mozilla. He built a subcommand called CargoVet, and it's a tool that helps projects ensure third-party Rust dependencies, whether they've been audited or 
from by a trusted entity. And security researchers can now audit 94,000 packages on crates.io through the command line, you know, and that's made possible by us. So, you know, that's kind of how I've always approached open source is open source and in giving back. It's as I said earlier, opening up a pull request is very very simple. Asking your boss to be able to donate this amount of infrastructure and time and resources, that's hard. Yeah. Asking for $1000 a month to for open collective that's hard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's like, what's going to make the biggest impact? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I'm, I'm I'm right there with you too as well. Like uh, supporting some of these larger projects and solving some of their problems, or even like discovering their problems too as well. Because I think a lot of folks like on the surface, it's like open source, rah rah rah. Yes, let's do it. Hacktoberfest currently happening at the time of this recording, mm-hmm. but like, what happens after October, or what happens after you know that PR gets merged? Like, how do we make sure that? That other folks can help replace and and can also get intelligence on what's happening in community and projects. So, supply chain security is a is a big one. That oh yeah, uh, again, like I was close to. I actually had Faros on here talking about socket. I just listened to that episode. It was really good. I love Faros. Yeah, yeah, and we we had a follow up conversation uh, on my other podcast, Secret Sauce, uh, on YouTube, mm-hmm. and uh, he like disclosed like the um, the idea of like ransomware. Yeah, where folks. Basically, we'll, we'll hijack projects. It's like almost like DDoSing, but like inside commits or inside of, of comments, or and, and sort of blocking production or uh, the well the release cycle of the project while they have to combat against. Is this good contribution, or is this somebody trying to you know poke holes at the at the system? So it, it's all stuff that you don't really think about when it comes to open source in general. Just like when you do npm install. And I was also curious, like, I don't know if this is on your radar as well, but like even the US government is now doing triage into open source to see where contributions are coming from and trying to focus, like, because there, there are certain countries that the US government just does not want to uh, partner with or operate with. So that all comes into question as well. Yeah, actually, I'm on an advisory, I don't want to say an advisory board, but I'm just like an advisor for a um, project out of the Atlantic Council, which is like a think tank. And when we have meetings, Craig from Craigslist is there. So I'm just like, I take screenshots and show my friends like, look who I'm in. (laughs) But no, supply chain security is very, very important. I'm really happy that Faros is looking into it as well as Dan Lawrence, um, previously of Google, now of ChainGuard. So the way I kind of got involved with supply chain security was like uh, around 2013 when Bootstrap CDN got hacked. It was pretty gangster the way they did it. They really, really thought about it. And um, it was pretty sophisticated. So they injected malicious code in a JavaScript, but it would only trigger on Windows 7 running IE6. And then it would basically install a Java applet and basically take over the computer. I don't know how long it went undetected, but after that happened, like I just kind of got into, oh my God, like I have a big responsibility. Uh, when I say I, I mean like we, MaxCDN has like a big responsibility to make sure that these are secure. So when sub-resource integrity came to the plate, 
it's basically you can put like uh, hashes inside of script and link elements. And if the 256 hash doesn't uh, match up, it won't execute the script. So I was part of that initial um, working group and giving as much support as we could to make sure that you know we can secure the supply chain. And just what's being done today with SigStore and all these other initiatives makes me very hopeful. And also the legislation that's going in uh, into not just the federal government, but there's also you know state governments and local governments that are becoming more and more. It's cheaper to invest in things like this than pay a two million dollar ransom for you know a. Network takeover. So, supply chain security is definitely a concerning issue right now. And I'm happy to report to everyone here listening is great minds are thinking about it. There, there will never be a hundred percent secure uh, open source supply chain. That's just not possible. But there are companies and people. That started these companies that came from backgrounds like from Google and, and all the other Fang companies that are tackling this. So I'm really I have I ha, I'm optimistic that supply chain security won't be as prevalent of a buzz term as in in the next couple of years. But it's definitely something uh, something concerning right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I did want to touch back on SourceGraph and like. Folks have, they might be interested in this sort of open source angle. Like, how do folks get involved? Do they reach out to you uh, if they have projects they want to get indexed and et cetera? Yeah, just go to sourcegraph.com slash community and join our Discord. Or you can just email community at sourcegraph.com and I'll hook you up with some swag. You know, got to have some swag. And then, yeah. Yeah, we'd love to get involved any way we can. We have multiple uh, open source projects. I don't even know all of them. There's because there's so many. Um, but uh, yeah, it's lot lots of things we can talk about, uh, like Skip and uh, other initiatives that we're behind. And yeah, we're always just looking for more people that want to make it so everyone can code. Cool. Sounds good, man. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I'll be in the Discord. I've, I'm in a ton of them, but you know, it's nice to, when you got some downtime on a Friday, to catch up and see the news and hang out with friends. So, well, wait a minute. You and Faros, you brought up Darknet Diaries. Yes. Are you in the Darknet Diaries? Uh, you know, honestly, I'm not. And I've heard about this one. Okay. So you got to become a, 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 a patron. A patron. Yeah. Yes. I just got to say, when you guys brought up Darknet Diaries, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad they did that because I listen every week, you know, like religiously. It's such a good podcast." Yeah, it, it's pretty good, and it was funny. It was actually a pick on this podcast originally mm. that got me into it. Yeah, years ago, but amazing. Yeah, no, it's 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 a for anyone if you get anything out of this conversation, Darknet Diaries is a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, and speaking of which, like we probably just transitioned the picks too as well. So these are jam picks. Anything we're jamming on, you know, music, food, um, tech related, nothing's off limits. So uh, with that, like we already mentioned, Dark Neck Diaries, like definitely, like subscribe. It's worth it's worth a listen. Like 
uh, I, I tend to listen to, like on the weekend, like doing dishes and stuff like that. Uh, the, the storytelling is what really gets me. Like it's it's good stories. He's but, so good. Yeah. He he's really improved. It's it's if you're like a listener for over a couple of years, you can you can listen back and you can listen now. Like the way he tells and he pieces stories together, it's so. I don't know. He's just a good good podcast. Excellent. Well, um, if you don't mind, Justin, I'm gonna jump in and mention one of my picks, um, which I've been messing around with recently. It was actually um, we had this tool internally at GitHub, which a designer had built. It was it's kind of like Slack meets um, Figma. Where like people can share their designs mm. and get just a bunch of feedback, and with GitHub having so many employees, you just get random feedback and really good insight from just random folks. Uh, so that person who built that recently left. Honestly, I'm not sure if that's a public thing, but <laughs> anyway, here we are. By the time this comes out, maybe they'll be public about it. But uh, they're building this project called Campsite. Uh, Campsite.design is the URL, Ooh. and uh, definitely worth checking out because uh, yeah, we've been using it for sort of. We have a very small team, like we're we're just getting started, but sort of sharing designs mm-hmm. uh, and getting feedback. The the plan is to just as you would scroll Instagram. Actually, a better example is not maybe like Figma meets Instagram. Uh, you're scrolling through designs, you provide some comments, you're like, oh, this is cool. Um, would be cool if we did this or whatever. You just type a bunch of comments and you you share them, but then you all you have this other thing called rituals. Mm-hmm. It's like a design ritual where you just like have a standing date or day each week or every other week or whatever it is to like talk through designs. It's like more of like an engineering seek. I'm, I'm going to definitely check this out. Yeah, I think it's going to be... Uh, so Brian, who who created it, um, yeah, he has a really good, good, really good insight into design. I listened to his podcast, which is also probably should be a pick, Design Details. Um, and they tend to chat with designers about designing things. And as an outsider, not a designer... Uh, I like similar like security. I don't, I'm not a security researcher or anything like that. I just like listening to stories from other folks mm-hmm. about how they think through problems and hopefully try to glean some of that in the projects I work on. Nice. Yeah, I, I got one besides the podcast, but thanks.dev. It just launched today, which is the 27th, and basically allows you to easily donate to all the dependencies that your company uses and you can basically easily toggle how much each repository like if you say I want JavaScript dependencies to get like 75% more than the Go dependencies it's very simple and beautiful and it's just I don't know we're really happy to be a launch partner with Sentry uh, as well as the Cash App and um yeah, come come join us uh, to fund your dependencies. Those remember those fifty three hundred people that you can wave to when you're in an airplane. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, I literally was just talking to somebody at dinner about this yesterday mm-hmm. about being able to identify dependencies. Yeah, there's there's a few. There's there's back your stack, which is an open collective project, and thanks.dev is the new kid on the block and as I said, like I got a demo and I was like holy crap. Who's uh who's behind this? A guy named Ollie. He's got a Discord. <laughs> okay, makes sense. Um I forget his last name. Don't kill me, Ollie. But yeah, I mean he's just a He's been in the open source game for a while, and he's just been thinking about how how do I want to make a business that basically helps maintainers. And so far, it's going great. 
Excellent. This is pretty cool. I'll definitely uh, I'll be poking around this, and I'll, I'll keep it in my uh, my future slide deck when I talk about open source too, as well, because it's definitely uh, it's solving a problem. And I like that it's um, yeah, you just log in with it seems like GitHub or GitLab, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool to see both options there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, folks, check it out and support the. Actually, honestly, I would say individuals check it out, but I think even better get your company to check it out because I think this is this is a practice that I think more companies should do. Well, that's the thing. What I said earlier, and I would love to end on this: it's easy to open up a pull request. It's hard to go to your boss and say, "I need a three hundred dollar recurring credit card, virtual card, or whatever," and we're going to open up on Thanks.dev. You know, like that's. That's tough. Do the tough things because the tough things have the biggest impact and help sustain the open source community. Amazing. Well, Justin, thanks for the chat. Thank you. And uh, folks, keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 